2 Corinthians chapter 9. Last night we talked about be ready from verses 2 and 3 of chapter 9. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about the motive of sending men to gather offerings for missions. Why gather money for missions? What's the motive? And he said there in verse number 5, Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you. Now what brethren is he talking about? Exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you. Well, verse 4, he said, Lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me. We talked about last night how that he wanted the church of Corinth to be prepared and he was going to send the brethren in verse 3 and some of the brethren he was going to send over to Corinth were going to be the brethren from Macedonia to come over and help us, brethren. And Paul loved the Macedonians because they had no... Christians and no churches and God sent Paul over there and men got saved and trained and churches built. And then he went to Corinth. Paul had a way of going to the major cities. He would go to some small towns as he traveled. But he built those works in the major cities. I still believe that's the best way. Go to a country, go to the major city, preach the gospel. You'll get more men saved in a shorter period of time, generally speaking, in the cities where the people are. Corinth was a, was a bustling international city with a lot of commerce going on and a lot of, lot of racial diversity. And so he wanted these men from Macedonia to come with him in verse 4. But he didn't want to take these men who really hadn't been in the Lord's work that long, get to Corinth and find out they were unprepared with their mission offering. So he said, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty... Whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. Now right here in the middle of this exhortation on giving the missions and the grace of giving, the only subject in the New Testament that has three consecutive chapters devoted to one subject, and that subject being the grace of giving to missions to get the gospel to the regions beyond. And Paul wanted 
these people to give with the right motive in their heart. They were not to give to missions because of covetousness. And that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? Even giving can be covetousness. We're going to talk about that a little more a little bit later. But Paul had already talked about in verse 1 the superfluous, which means overflowing, superabundant. He had acknowledged that the Corinthians had experienced giving abundantly and God was blessing them for that. He had acknowledged their willing mind, the forwardness of your mind in verse 2. He had acknowledged his boasting on their behalf. Verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4. Three verses in a row he talks about his boasting on their behalf. He talks about in verse number 2 their readiness a year ago. He talks about their zeal in verse 2. They were giving with zeal. They were having a good time giving. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I'm telling you, I've had to shut them down at Shady Acres before. I mean, take up an offering and say, okay, that's enough. This needs met. Y'all are just having fun now, so that's the end of this offering. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but I'm telling you, it can get that way. You can get the words giving is more fun than not giving. Amen. The Scrooges don't understand that. But there's some folks that do understand it. They love to give. We have camp meeting twice a year, and I'll get up on Monday night, and I'll take up an offering, and, and I'll say, all right, this way we do it. You know, this is, means you're going to give 1000 This means you're going to give 5000 This means you just gave 30000 That's how I start the offering off. And we'll usually get ten or 15000 before I ever get off the 1000 mark. We have taken up some mission offerings before where we took up 50000 80000 100000 You know, and I'm having trouble keeping up with all this. Man, I like it like that. I'm talking about giving with zeal. I'm talking about having a good time giving an offering. God loveth a cheerful giver. Paul acknowledged that they knew how to give with zeal. They had so much fun giving it provoked other people because they were grinding their teeth when they were giving. Amen. They'd squeeze that nickel till the buffalo would jump. Well, that's kind of outdated, isn't it? He acknowledged their zeal and the result of their zeal that provoked so many other people to give with some zeal, to be ready to give. And he'd love to tell other people about how they gave and how much they enjoyed it. And it does my heart good to get to preach several missions conferences and tell folks, 
I watched that bunch in Houston do some giving and have a big time. I wish I could tell you I taught them to do that, but Preacher Jack Wood taught them how to do that, and they just never did forget. They just still love to give. As a result, we have plenty of missionaries that come by. Verse 3, we see his concern that the Macedonians traveling might see the Corinthians prepared as opposed to being unprepared. He didn't want to discourage them. And he didn't want to embarrass anybody. He just wanted everybody to have a good time over this mission offering. Paul says, don't make me ashamed by you not being ready. Don't make the Macedonians ashamed. By you not being ready, don't make yourself ashamed by not being ready. Just be ready. Let's get the job done. Oh, I'm telling you, it'd be like it'd be like having uh, about seven or eight missionaries in a mission conference and then not having any money to give them. Thank you. God bless you. We'll see you later. No, you know what? I'm not saying the missionaries expect an offering. But I have gotten phone calls before and asked, did you forget my offering? (laughs) To which I said, no, you didn't get one, cowboy. Then they want to know why not. I said, for that very reason, right there. They expected one. Felt like they were slighted when they didn't get one. We had a mission conference one time. Missionary came in there, drove all the way from Kentucky to Houston for the mission conference, and he sat there all week. Never, Brother Wood never even called on him to lead in silent prayer, much less give his presentation. He was, he was grumbling. He told, I heard him tell this later. He was grumbling and groaning on the way home. I drove all that way, spent all that money, bought all that gas, sat there all week. I never even got to get up and talk about my work. And blah, blah, blah. He was going on and on about it to himself or whoever was riding with him. He didn't know Brother Wood had already told me to take him home for $200 a month. This was uh, 40 Years ago. $200 a month. And that missionary found out later that he had been taken because he got a check in the mail. He thought it was his offering that, that we had forgotten. No, it was his monthly support. Supported him for 30 years, $200 a month. 24 times 30, you do the math. He thought he'd been slighted. Brother Wood didn't need to hear his presentation. Don't get discouraged, missionary. God liable to have something for you, amen, you wasn't expecting. You didn't get to do what you wanted to do the way you wanted to do it, but God had another plan. It's all right, let him take care of it. 
What one church don't do for you, God will use somebody else down the road to take up the slack. Yes. Didn't want them to be unprepared. And then in verse 5, we have the most dangerous pitfall of all in giving to missions. Giving to missions often ought to be a celebration of the bounty of God in our lives. That's what faith promise is really all about. We get an opportunity once a year to say, God's been good to me. Lord, what would you have me to give every Sunday for the next 52 Sundays in a row? And the Lord says, give this much every Sunday. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But Lord, I'm glad you're speaking to me and leading me. It's always good to hear from heaven, whatever the situation might be. Don't be grieved if he gives you a number that you don't understand. Rejoice over it. I say mission conference is an opportunity for us, amen, to express the bounty of God in our lives. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty. They were given because God had been so good to them. What a blessing. Sweet Springs. I came here the first time. Brother Joel was the pastor. Some years ago. God's been so good to y'all. Do you know how few churches get two good pastors in a row? You know how rare that is? you have any idea how rare that is? I'm telling you, it doesn't happen as often as most people think it does. If they get a real good pastor, most time they get a dud next. That way they'll appreciate a good one. But God's been so good to you, you got to skip the dud. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. God gave you another good pastor out of the same family. And for years we watch his daddy sit there and beam while his sons preached here at Sweet Springs Baptist Church. I miss your daddy, Brother Brent. Came in here last night and I looked around and saw your mama. We prayed, we prayed when he was not doing well, and we prayed about the funeral, and when I walked in here, I missed getting to see him. What a precious, precious man. Together they raised you a couple of wonderful preachers and great pastors and great Singers. Hmm? My, my wife's favorite CD is still the Logans. She's wore two or three of them out. Used to be my favorite till I had to listen to it 9,000 times. <laughs> I still can't think anybody I'd rather hear play the piano than Miss Logan. 
talking about the blessings of God and his bounty that he's given to Sweet Springs Baptist Church through the years and you're out here in Ardmore, Alabama and the building's full and you're making plans to build a new building. You just gave an offering for a bigger building down in the Yucatan. Meanwhile, you're trying to get things done to build a bigger building here. And you know what? God's been so good to you, you need a bigger building. I preached in a church one time. They spent, they spent $30,000 for the scale model of the church they were going to build. And they were having a mission conference. And I got up and preached on uh, building your own empire while the world goes to hell. That meeting struggled a little bit that week. That's what they needed to hear. Seven families left the church after I preached that sermon. Didn't even come back to finish the meeting. Oh, the pastor thought, he thought I had destroyed his church. And I didn't hear from him for several years after that. I got a phone call one day. He said, is this uh, Brother Danny Farley? I said, yes. He said, this is so-and-so. It was a pastor of that church. I said, well, how are you doing? Not sure where I was going on this <laughs> thin ice I might be walking on. He said, you know, I never did tell you I thought you'd destroyed our church with that sermon on building our own empire while the world goes to hell. He said, those seven families left. And he said, you know, I thought, what are we going to do now? We won't even be able to pay the light bill around here. He said, our offerings never dropped. That's the way it is when rebels leave. Rebels are not the givers. They're just the mouths. Offerings didn't go down. Mission offering went up. A few years had gone by. He said, I'd like you to come preach another missions conference. I said, well, how's that new building going? He said, that slab's still just sitting there beside our building. He said, it's probably going to sit there for a long time. He said, you were right. We had plenty of room in the building. We had. I'm talking about how good God's been to y'all. Are y'all making the connection? You need a building. Them people didn't need a building. In fact, in that message I preached on building your own empire while the world goes to hell, I told them, I said, you know, I went to your mission board and I added up the monthly support to the letters that are on the board and my wife and I and our three sons give more to missions every month than this whole church does. I was boasting on my family. To provoke them just a little bit. With our zeal. I'm telling you, if you get in on this business of giving to missions, you'll get so excited about it, you'll have to hold yourself back. You'll have to hold yourself back. 
And it won't be easy to do if you're hard. I'm talking about are you giving out a bounty? Yeah. Or covetousness. God has been so good to Sweet Springs and the bounty just keeps rolling in. And the best is yet to come. These young people are going to grow up. They're going to grow up around missions. And they're going to grow up being around these missionaries and hearing their burdens. And they're going to, God's going to start touching their hearts, calling them like he did this young man that gave his testimony tonight at an early age. I'm talking about amen. Paul was letting them know that this mission offering was not for his pocket. And this missionary open was not for his brethren's pockets. They were just gathering up the money. But to get the gospel to the regions beyond. So for the last 35 years I've tried to preach missions conferences. And the further I go, the more I see when it comes to the need. And the more I feel when it comes to the burden of getting the gospel into all the world. So as a result, I'm talking about the bounty of God, because of that that burden that God has given us to get the gospel to the regions beyond. My wife's done most of this. I can't take much of the credit. But she goes to Paraguay. Brother Alfredo is there doing a good job. Would have done a better job if it hadn't been an American missionary down there that messed things up. Now Alfredo, as a, as a man, young man in his 20s, survived all that opposition and is still getting the job done. I've talked to you before about our burden for an orphanage in Nigeria. Brother Luke Getty's still praying. The door hadn't opened, but they, they are letting a few flights come into Nigeria now if you've got a 30-day visa. Well, if you're going to have an orphanage, you've got to have more than a 30-day visa. But Brother Luke, he's so, he's so itching to get over there. He's thinking about just going over there 30 days at a time if he can raise the money to get in and out. I said, Brother Luke, that's, that's not very practical. He said, but what about all them children? There's nobody to reach those children. So we're praying about that. We've got a young man getting interested in Israel. Brother Daniel could tell us. He's our sound man at Shady Acres. And he looks like God's putting his hand on him to just make some trips over there. He's got a good job. His, his uh, stepfather does inspections on multi-million dollar homes there in Houston, you know, for all the sports stars. He's gotten a reputation of being very picky. Everything has to be perfect. And so, his son Daniel 
gets on the computer and somehow draws a picture of this house and, you know, where everything is and what everything looks like. And Well, he could do that in Israel, same as he could do it in Houston. He wouldn't even have to go raise support, Brother Logan. He wouldn't even have to quit his job. He could just go to Israel and start reaching those lone soldiers, those volunteers that go fight with the IDF. By the way, the IDF is sending men to the border of Poland tonight. And they're helping police those borders. People, people that we know, people that we've met, People that have been in the home of one of our church members in Houston are working the border in Poland as we've been praying for a way to try to help out over there. And I didn't know till yesterday when I was on the phone, we already got a man in place. I'm talking about the bounty of God. I'm talking about God doing some things, amen, that's above and beyond all we could ask or think. We built a three-story school building in Bogota, Colombia. My wife goes down there and speaks to the students and the ladies, their mamas. First week she went down there, she had 30-something women saved. Because your gift makes room for you. And those women knew how we had helped get a place for their kids to be educated. And they knew that my wife had a big part in that. So when she got up and talked to them about the Lord, they sat there and listened. We built that school in Bogota. We started a new church in Medellin. Have a church in Cali, which was the drug controls, the drug cartels had control of Cali for many years, but we still got God built a church down there. It was turned over to a national, and he got full of pride and started driving people instead of leading people. So the missionary, Brother Bolaños, is going back down there. He talked to me about it Sunday. He said, I got to go back to Cali and get that work reestablished. You know, mission work is just like church work. You have good years and bad years, but you keep on going no matter what kind of years you're having. Talking about the burden that goes with the blessings. I noticed on the presentation about that work in the Yucatan you just took up an offering for that the address on there was LAM, Latin American Mission Board. I, my wife's dad always had a burden to have a mission board with those initials. So I, when I saw that lamb, I looked up there and it said P.O. Box 1478. I said, that's what I'm the president of. <laughs> God's blessing me so much I can't even keep up with the blessings. I tell you, that's a good God right there. Amen. The Lord sure is good when you, you got blessings that you don't even know you got. 
fly off to preach a mission conference and find out. And then after I thought I saw that, I thought, you know what? We talked about this. <laughs> Me and Brother Logan talked about this, and I already forgot about it. That's what happens when you start getting around that 70 mark. I forgot what I preached last night. I hope it was good. Hope you got a blessing out of it. Tomorrow I'll be wondering how this one went. I'm talking about that Latin American mission board was always Brother Wood's dream, and it never happened in his lifetime. And it was a long time after he went home to be with the Lord that Brother Bolaños and my wife got to talking about his burden for that. And they got the 501c3 paperwork approved. And, and uh, so now we got the Latin American Mission Board, L-A-M-B. Supporting about 10 national pastors in Venezuela. Because most of the American missionaries had to leave that country. I told you here one time that they all had to leave. I was trying to raise, you know, money. I found out later there was an old man that wouldn't leave. I was in a meeting in New York. And he said, are you the pastor that's telling everybody that there's no American missionaries left in Venezuela? I said, yes, sir, that's me. He said, well, you're mistaken. I never did leave. I said, well, I'm glad to be wrong about something. I'm glad to be wrong that there's still American missionary in Venezuela. I said, why didn't you leave? He said, didn't want to. Didn't believe God warned me to. He said, they were looking for me. They was trying to make me leave. He said, but I just kind of disappeared for a while until the heat was off. And he said, I never did leave. You know, there's probably a whole bunch of good missionaries that have been told to leave that never did. He said, you got to be wise, you got to be careful, you can't just, you know, walk around out in public like you used to. He said, you got to do most of your ministry invisible when everybody's looking for you. Praise the Lord for an old man that just stayed with it. And you know, I'm talking about our, our bounty and our burden how that COVID came and pastors would call on me and telling me, you know, our offerings are down. How's your offerings doing? I said, ours are bigger than they've ever been. Well, how did you do that? I didn't. It's the bounty of God. It's the blessings of the Lord. So some of them say, well, can you loan us some money? No, we're not a bank. I preached, I preached for 35 years that God gave Joseph a divine budget to get him through the famine. And the divine budget was saved for seven years. So when the seven years of famine come, you'll have something to get through the famine with. And I started telling preachers back then at Brother Homer Smith's pastor's conference every January, I started telling them, you better, you better save up some money because the famine's coming. Well, I guess it didn't come till 2020. They didn't pay attention to what I said. But then they all started calling me when they couldn't make the payment on the note. 
on their building that they couldn't afford. I said, sorry. You should have done like Joseph. Well, you're so, so mean. You're so mean. And yeah, that's me. Somebody has to be mean. Here am I, send me. In fact, we exceeded our faith promise. You were there. I, we got in sniffing distance of that million dollars. And it just started bubbling up in me. And I said, we're going to do like they do out at uh, Spring City. We're going to take up an offering on the last Sunday night of our missions year, see if we can hit that million-dollar mark. And I got up and started taking it. And it was one of them. I said, okay, we're over. Okay, that's, that's good. That's good. We're over. <laughs> they were having so much fun, they just kept pouring the money in. I don't remember now how much we went over the million, but it, it was quite a bit. God has been good to us. The blessings and the bounty of the Lord. All that stuff going on in Ukraine. There was a young lady that I met in Romania when she was about 11 or 12 years old. Her name is Liliana. And uh, she married a preacher when she got grown. They pastor a church in Ukraine. They got out of the country about a week or so ago. Got to Romania so he could get a bank account in Romania. So if we needed to funnel some funds, we could go through a bank in Romania instead of worrying about all the ones in Ukraine being closed. Well, this girl's daddy was a preacher. And I went out to meet him back in about 83. No, it wasn't 83. 89 maybe. Anyway, sometime in the 80s. And her daddy had this real nice pig barn. And I grew up on a pig farm. And I told the missionary, I said, Anna, we never had a pig barn this nice my whole life growing up on our pig farm in Texas. This is the nicest pig barn I've ever seen. But there were no pigs. So I told the missionary, I said, ask this man, where's the pigs? And he asked him, and he said, I don't have any money for pigs. Well, I had with me on that trip the son of the man that owned the farm next to the farm my daddy bought when he got out of World War II with a VA loan. His name's Roger Pounds. He was with me. I said, Brother Roger, how would you like to go in the pig business with me and Romania. He said, what you got in mind? I said, I think if I'd give $250 and if you'd give $250, this man could go buy some pigs and put them in the pig barn. He said, I'm in. We gave that man $500. He got in his car, drove to the market and came back, had five pigs in his car. I hate to be the one cleaning the car next. He was so happy. 
couple of years later, he went and preached a meeting on a motorcycle and coming back home from the meeting, he got hit by a car and it killed him. But his wife and his daughter, Liliana, were able to make a living for themselves because of the bread we cast on the waters some years before. And they made a living until she married a preacher who pastors in Ukraine and is in Romania tonight where she came from. So she's got family around there still, her mama. I'm talking about the bounty of the Lord. As the years go by, you just see God do things that you never even thought about. I mean, what's $250? For somebody to make a living off of. For 10 years. After daddy's gone. Something happens to this girl's husband, she'll already know what to do. Lord, take care of Liliana and Danik. Lord, take care of Brother Valera. His basement's full of people hiding from the bombs. Brother Walt Selman got called to Mexico City. He was almost deaf. Been an electrician all of his life. Didn't know Spanish. Went to Mexico City. Built one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen for a church building in Mexico. Because he'd been in construction all his life. The blessings of God. I thought about Rick Weimer in Germany. Out of our church. He did deputation telling everybody he was a missionary to East Germany. And all the pastors told him, "You don't. we appreciate your zeal, but that country is closed. You cannot get into that country. He said, but I got a verse that God gave me. By my God, I have run through a troop, and by my God, I have leaped over a wall. And he said, I'm going over the wall at Berlin into East Germany. Well, you're just being zealous. So they wouldn't support him. Because the country was closed. So Brother Wood said, Brother Rick, you're wasting your time. These independent Baptist preachers don't have any faith in God at all. They think since there's a wall, not even God can get on the other side. So he said, just pack you a couple of suitcases and go on over there and start doing the work. He said, well, how am I going to make a living without a, without a support? Without support, he said, that's up to you and the Lord to figure out. Just pack up and go on. He said, you, you can do deputation for 10 years over here, and these people ain't going to have enough faith to support you, so just go on. So he did. He went over there. He'd been there a while. And the Lord, let, he, he got a job at a fruit stand. And they would pay him by giving him fruit that was going to be too ripe to sell the next day. He would take it home. One time they gave him a whole stalk of bananas. 
And he put it in the back seat of his car and he said, the Holy Ghost said, take the bananas and go to the wall. And he drove to the Berlin Wall and got to the guard shack and the guy said, what are you doing? He said, I got a trunk full of Bibles. You know, there was people that were smuggling Bibles into East Germany. Rick just told him, I got a trunk full of Bibles and tracts and I'm going to go over there and hand them out to people. He said, you can't do that. He said, I know that and you know that. But he said, you see this stalk of bananas? You can have the whole stalk if you'll let me go. I'm just going to go hand the Bibles out. The guy said, will you come back to this same guard shack on your way out before my shift ends? He said, what time's your shift end? He told him. He said, yes, sir. I'll be back right here before you shift. The guy said, go ahead. But be sure you come back to this gate right here. He went over there, handed out the Bibles, met a, met a East German preaching on the street. Found a house for sale for $1,800. Called Brother Wood and said, I found a house in East Germany. He said, well, how much is it? He said, $1,800. He said, I'll wire you the money tomorrow. <laughs> buy it. He said, but I can't live in it. He said, I don't care. Buy it. <laughs> he bought that house, and when the wall fell, it was worth $36,000 the day after the wall fell. I'm talking about the blessings of God. I'm talking about the bounty of God. God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can think or ask. Quit listening to the brethren's unbelief. And trust God. And watch Him work. Everybody told him don't put your kids in public school. Well, he said God told him to put them all in German public school. So he did. And every one of them still serving God today. Every one of them. I, I asked Rick, I said, how in the world does that work? Everybody says, you know, if your kids grow up under that, it's going to mess them up. He said, the home has to be stronger than the school. Amen. He said, if the home is stronger than the school, you don't have to worry about the influence of the school. By the way, all of you got your kids in public school. You better latch on to that. And if you homeschool yours, you better latch on to it too. Because you might not be a crackerjack educator. You might be. But I know a lot of homeschoolers that, you know, they go to grandma's on Friday and, you know, they go on field trips on Tuesday. And next thing you know, they're never studying. If you're going to homeschool, you've got to have a time that you start and a time that you're going to go to till it's time to quit. Just like the public school. You know, you don't, you don't, if school starts at 8.30, you don't take your kid at 10.30. But for some reason, people think homeschooling, you can have a flexible schedule. That's why your kids are dumb as a box of rocks. Like their parents. That's why you're not going to educate any lawyers and doctors. You better hope they get called to preach. 
So Brother Weimer, he's done a great job in Germany. Brother Buddy Duke, Weimer's in the south down there where the wall was. Buddy's in the north, close to the Black Sea. He's been faithful. Brother Buddy's having some health problems. His youngest daughter married one of them lawyers in our church. They got two babies now. The blessings of God. The blessings of God. And it's all connected to missions and faith promise. The blessings of God. We have people that have jobs and businesses that God has blessed primarily because they found out it's fun to give to missions. We have experienced givers that have stepped up year after year. Now we got young givers that are taking steps of faith. They're trying to learn how to be big givers. All you got to do is be faithful. Amen. God, the bounty will start rolling in. The blessings will start rolling in. You just got to hang in there and be faithful. But our text verse says, and not as of covetousness. You see that in verse 5? It is possible for faith promise to be twisted into covetousness instead of blessings. How can that be? Well, TV preachers raise a lot of money for missions with pictures of starving children, bloated bellies, grass huts, dirt floors. And when all that money rolls in, they get on them another TV station. And another TV station. And another TV station. So they can raise even more money for missions. You can't allow the blessings and the bounty to be turned into covetousness. For your own benefit. That's why the Apostle Paul wanted to make sure they knew. It's not to be put in my pocket. It's not to be put in these Macedonians' pocket. It's not to be put in Dr. Luke's pocket. This is to go to missions. To get the gospel to the regions beyond. Every year... Some missionary will call me every year. And they'll say something like this. You know, Pastor, this mission work's really growing down here. And I was just wondering if you thought it'd be all right if I put my tithes into the work here because the need is so great. And I say, only on one condition. They said, What is that? I said, that's if you still tithe to your home church and you give another tithe on the mission field. Then you can tithe on the mission field. Well, I can't afford to do that. 
then I guess you can't tithe on the mission. Well, how am I going to set an example for these people to tithe if I don't tithe here? I said, that's why you need to pray about double tithing. By the way, in the Old Testament, they triple tithed. Yeah, they, get, they tithe 30% in the Old Testament. Okay, you can research that and figure that out for yourself because you're looking at me like I'm crazy. You better be rejoicing. Thank God, it's only 10%. Put you under the law for about a year and you'll rejoice over only 10%. What do you think, preacher, would be all right if we just used our excess funds in our church? I hear this from pastors. You know, we've built up a little excess and we got a great need in our church, you know. We need a new piano. And we're going to use it for missions. I said, how are you going to use a piano for missions? Well, we're going to give an invitation so sinners can come and get saved. Isn't that missions? I'm telling you, I didn't make that one up. That one literally happened. I preached a mission conference one time in a large church that had never had a missions conference. Had never heard faith promise presented. In the first year that I preached it, They gave 350-something thousand faith promise first year. I went back the second year. You know, I'd looked at their mission board, and they supported Rick Weimer. He was on their board. And uh, went back the second year, same letters on the board. I thought, well, that's odd. So pastor, he took me out to eat one meal, and I said, "Uh, you know, I was reading your missionary letters, and it's the same letters you had on the board last year. I said, what's up with that? He said, well, we put all that money into missions. I said, where's the letters? Well, he said, you believe in home missions, don't you? I said, probably not like you. (laughs) He said, well, we put that money into our radio broadcast, our bus ministry, and our Christian school. I said, well, you need to take on some foreign missionaries you want me to preach your missions conference. So we did another faith promise that second year. I came back the third year. Ed added one or two missionary letters. By then it was like 450,000. I went out to eat with him again and I said, you still putting your missions money into radio ministry and bus ministry and Christian school? He said, quite a bit. I said, yeah, you must be. I said, this is my last year to preach your mission conference. He said, why? It's working real good. I said, for you. I'm talking about covetousness. Covetousness. He wanted me to come and keep preaching missions and get the people to give. Then he's going to use all the money building their own empire while the world goes to hell. You're doing a great job, Sweet Springs. You're doing a great job. But beware of that pitfall of the blessings turning into covetousness and trying to figure out what all you can do for yourself. And you, you haven't done that. I'm not saying you have. That other church I was in in Louisiana, that's what they were doing. I gave you that illustration. 
that the world's going to hell and the need is great. And the purpose of faith promise is to get the gospel to the regions beyond. Don't let your own covetousness keep you from giving. man came to me one time and he said, yeah, you preach all that stuff about giving to missions. And he said, you know, my Bible said, anytime they say that to me, I know they're fixing to tell me something crazy outrageous. My Bible said if a man doesn't provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. He said, my first priority is to take care of my family. If I have any left over, I'll think about giving to missions. I said, you won't ever have any left over. Because you can always think of something else your family needs. And you're going to have to make the regions beyond a priority and your family live on the rest. He said, I'm not going to do that. I said, then you're already an infidel. He said, I won't be back. I said, good. See you later. Not. I believe a man ought to take care of his family. But the Bible didn't say let a man work with his hands that he might take care of his family. It said let a man work with his hands so he'll have to give. You live in America, amen. Somebody will feel sorry for your kids and feed them whether you work or not. You don't believe that? Come visit Houston. I'll just drive you down the road, amen, show you all kind of people that, amen, have never worked a day in their life. They got kids all over the place. Because if you don't work, you do other things that you shouldn't be doing. No. You work so you'll have to give. And what will happen is God will take care of your family better than you ever could have. Bounty or covetousness?